Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 176. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. This week we'll be reviewing Alex R. Johnson's Two-Step, and in a first for the podcast, we'll be reviewing a TV series with Wet Hot American Summer, First Day Camp. Of course, we'll be going over some of what we've been watching, this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, DVD and Blu-ray releases... Remember, you can send us your questions. Podcast at filmpulse.net is the address. And please take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider subscribing for as little as $1 per month and help keep the podcast and the website running. We appreciate that so very much. We're going to just dive right into our first review. I was thinking we could start with Two Step, get that out of the way, and then dive into Wet Hot. So Two Step... Written and directed by Alex R. Johnson. It's funny, on the IMDb page, it says writers, Alex R. Johnson, Alex R. Johnson. He wrote it twice. (laughs) Uh, I have a synopsis here. The lives of James, a directionless college dropout, and Webb, a career criminal, with his back against the wall, violently collide. Oh, man. So, this is out this week on VOD and in select cities. Now, I think that I'll start this one off. You were going to be writing a review for this one, yes? You are You are correct. Okay, so I'll start this one off. I thought it was okay. <laughs> Hard stop. <laughs> what? And, what? What? and we're done. <laughs> Why is it that like so often the movies that we review on this show, I have so little to say about a lot of them. I think maybe because we do a lot of VOD releases... And it's just like, meh. Um, yeah, there was. It's one, of, it's one of those that you just kind of want to be like, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, there, there wasn't any. Just move on. There wasn't anything inherently wrong with two step. I, uh, I think the whole two step uh, marketing, like the title and all of that stuff relating to the the dancing that he had with Beth Broderick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not really. I, th- that all that stuff doesn't really fit fit in for me because it it played such a small part. Yes. In the movie, that there's so many things that play really small parts, small roles that don't, and you're expecting it to kind of come together. Yeah. In some way at the end to make it, you know, I don't know, give it the purpose, I guess. But like nothing comes together. Yeah. At all, like Beth Broderick's entire character really doesn't need to be there yeah she she plays she does so little like i thought she was gonna come in and and get involved and save him or help him in some way but it really she doesn't do much of anything i thought for a second i thought that there was going to be some sort of love interest thing some kind of weird love interest thing happening there but that doesn't really happen and and then it seems like she's going to be kind of a mother figure to him but all that also doesn't really happen when and that's the only thing i can think of for like for her character uh the character of horace played by barry tubb the same thing is that i guess perhaps they're trying to be their misdirects like you, you know you think but <laughs> But in all honesty, like, you know, at the end, when when everything's said and done, 
and it's over, credits are rolling. That was the first thought that runs through my head was, why did all of this exist? Yeah, especially, okay, let's let's back up and just go over the plot a little bit, because I think that the, uh, the synopsis here doesn't really say much about it. So, Sky Moore plays this kid, James, who his grandmother, his parents previously passed away, his grandmother passes away, and he gets an inheritance from her. And as it turns out, while his grandmother was alive, she was being scammed by this guy named Webb, played by James Landry Hibbert. Hibbert? Hibbert. Hibbert. While he was in prison. And he was kind of pretending to be her grandson and get get her to wire money to him. And as it turns out, he gets out of prison. He owes uh, some money. He owes ten grand to the local convenience store owner <laughs> for for something. I don't even know. Do they even say what he owes him money uh, for? No, I don't think so. And it turns out that all the money that he was kind of scamming out of people, his girlfriend took took that money and ran away with it. Mm. And. Sky Moore's character of James figures out that he was scamming his grandma and tries to set him up, sort of, but it doesn't really work out, and he he ends up uh, you can just you getting can caught. Tell, you can just tell in your voice your interest levels. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was interested. Uh, I was interested. Maybe halfway. It, 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 kept my attention maybe halfway to the halfway point Mm -hmm. but going back to the the Horace Barry Tubb thing so he so James ends up meeting this neighbor lady from across the street played by Beth Broderick her name's Dot in the movie and they kind of developed this friendship because I guess Dot was Dot looked in on his grandma every now and then and they take this kind of side plot where Dot is having this relationship with Horace. He plays a, a, a cop, and he's married. And I feel like they go way, way too deep, too, <laughs> way too deep into that because it's like a whole other movie. Yeah, it, it is. It feels utterly pointless. Utterly pointless. Because yeah, because it goes just, nowhere. It, it goes, goes absolutely nowhere. It goes nowhere. And there's just, like, they didn't need that in there to establish Dot as a character. We well, are- then, uh, not only that, before we get into the whole Horace thing, they have, and I don't know if this is just because the movie's called Two-Step, they spend all that time, you know, showing you Dot's career uh-huh. as a, a dance instructor at, like, numerous different places. She's at bars teaching people how to dance. She's at schools teaching people how to dance, nursing homes, all this stuff for, again, no reason. Yeah, nothing. No reason. Nothing. And it, I just, that I just didn't get. I didn't get why. All, I mean, the movie's called Two Step. You think that there's going to be some sort of connection there other than the fact that there's one scene where she, <laughs> she, she, teaches, she, teach, she teaches him how to... <laughs> To dance, uh, like and and yeah, I, I don't know. It was just it was kind of confounding what how this played out. Yeah, and really, that's the only thing that kind of keeps you. So, if you're listening to this before you watch the movie, we're kind of ruining it for you, because 
you're hanging in there thinking like, well, how's this going to come together? How are they going to pull all this stuff? Because for a while there, for much of the movie, it feels like two separate movies. Mm-hmm. It feels like you have Webb and James, what's going on there with the small-time crime and the conning and everything and the breaking and entering. And then on the flip side, you have you know Dot and Horace and what's going to happen with their relationship. And you're like, well, how are these going to come together? And they never do. Spoiler, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) They don't at all. Which is just... And then it just ends abruptly. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. I mean, it's not... It's not a terrible movie, per se. No. But but it's just, you know, it... You do wonder to yourself at the end of it, like, okay, what was... What was the point of this? Yeah, yeah. It's... I mean, it's extremely forgettable. We're talking about... an unbelievably straightforward film like there's no there's no thematic elements there's no room for interpretation there's no it's just this happens and then this happens and this happens and then this happens and yeah. then roll credits yeah it's a it's a very straightforward there's no I think there's no there's no tension there's just it's it felt so unbelievably flat yeah yeah uh, and especially, especially at the beginning, it just felt like no one was into this at all. And then, thank God, um, James Landry, Hibbert, even him at the beginning, he's kind of, it seems like he's sleepwalking through everything. But then once he gets to be like the villain villain, the movie kind of comes alive a little bit. And, you know, I think he does a great job of it, like kind of holding your attention. Yeah. I want to go through some some positives that I had with this movie. Cause I feel like we've been tough on it. And, uh, I, I actually did. I, I thought the movie was fine. I, I was entertained by it. I didn't think it was a bad movie by any, any means. I thought that the performances were quite good. And like you said, just to reiterate, uh, James Landry, Hibera's Webb, I thought that he was a really good villain. I mean, he was, he was the son of a bitch. And I thought that he did a really good job. In fact, I thought that all the performances were fine. I thought, Everybody did a pretty good job with what they were working with. Uh, I, I I did like the fact that like James just doesn't exist anymore <laughs> after Webb breaks into the house. Yeah, he's he's not. He doesn't. He's like not a character anymore. He just sits in a chair. <laughs> That's his role from that point on. Chair sit. <laughs> I like the the setting. I like movies that take place in small towns like this and i thought i thought small town southern crime drama yeah i i like that i like that aesthetic and i thought that the the visuals i thought that the cinematography uh aided that aesthetic i thought that they did a good job with like all their establishing shots and all of that stuff i thought looked quite good the, the they were little... really, they were really they were really stuck on like the points of roofs Mm-hmm. For some reason, they there's should, like seven shots of that. There's a lot of shots of birds on uh, on wires too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On telephone or electrical wires. So yeah, there's that. I did not like the cinematography. the 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 camera just kept wandering. The camera's moving constantly for no reason whatsoever. Just as soon as the shot, boom, cut to the shot, and then the camera just starts to wander to the right. Or it just starts to wander up, or it wanders down, wanders to the left, and I just 
it like I started to focus on that because I didn't understand why they were doing this. And they do it in like every single shot. And the only thing I could think of is that the camera is like trying to get away from this movie and find a more entertaining one <laughs> or a more interesting movie. It was just it was extremely distracting, I thought. I don't know why. I just I got I got hooked on that. Eh, that didn't that didn't bother me. Well it bothered me. It bothered me, Adam. It's one of those like okay, so we you know, we sort of ran through the the plot of it, everything, and you know, it's a small time or a small town crime drama, southern, and it just feels like all of them. Yeah, it does. It's it, ever it, existed. It, it it doesn't stick out in any way whatsoever. It, it doesn't do a whole lot more than what we've seen before. That's for sure. Yeah, there's there's not a lot going on here. I will say another thing that I just wanted to mention that I liked was the opening title sequence. I like that. I like the opening credits. Going the old school route, giving you all those visual clues. I liked it. I thought Tabasco. it was Tabasco. Oh, pretty good. I don't know what's up with the the recent trend of having to watch people eat things <laughs> in real time. Like why is that a thing now? And the only reason I say this is because and this is personal, that one of my biggest pet peeves ever is hearing people eat yeah i hate the sound of people eating and when i hear it the only thing i want to do is punch faces to make it stop and then there's a scene here where a guy just Dwayne just wants to eat his fucking eggs and then you've got to sit there and listen to him eat his eggs mm-hmm. stop that stop this trend of having to watch people eat and because we had it earlier this year with buzzard having to watch joshua was it Burge? Burge? Yeah. We had to watch him eat a plate of spaghetti in real time. <laughs> that was hilarious, though. That was kind of funny. But still, I'm, I'm not a fan of it, and I wanted to stop. Uh, he tore through those eggs pretty quick, though. He did. He did run through those eggs. I'll give him that. But uh, what do you think of the accents? Well, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to, to really gauge... The, the the Texas accent for me because a lot of times when people have genuine Texas accents to me it sounds like they're putting on a fake Southern accent so for me it was it was hard to tell uh, because they all it all kind of sounded a little fake that's what I, that's kind of what I was thinking too it's a lot of a lot of different types of accents going on. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It didn't. It didn't bother me too much. I mean, it. I noticed it. Like it was enough so that I actually did make a mental note of it. But it wasn't too too much for me to just be like, oh god. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's just not. Uh, I thought all the characters were pretty interesting. I just didn't. You know, they just. There's, they, there's just there's, not not a lot going on with them. Like I even I liked the lawyer. The the lawyer character. But, yeah, and you gotta hear him eat a fucking hamburger. Yeah. God. I'm getting sick and tired of having to listen to people eat. <laughs> that's that's the big takeaway from this movie. <laughs> well for me, two step there's just there's there's no life to it. The, outside of James Landry Hebert, you know, coming alive a little bit when he gets to really, you know, latch into the villain role where he you know, he starts going over the top with it. You know, he really starts to develop into from, you know, he starts off as just like a son of a bitch con man, you know, he's a dick. 
Yeah. But then he escalates. You know, yeah, it escalates rather quickly. And that's the only place that I actually saw like life in this film. Everything else just felt completely flat to me. There was just no energy to it. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one. I want energy. It was a little bit of a manila folder for me, honestly. A little bit, a little bit. But again, it's one of those things where it's you, there's not a lot that you can point out like, oh, this was terrible, you know, the acting was awful, or yeah, you yeah. Know, the script is terrible, and, you know, the, the plot progressions don't make any sense. Like, none of that. It's, it's a competent film. It's fine. It's just, it's nothing more than that. Right, it doesn't elevate the genre no, very much. It does, I mean, it doesn't even stand out in the genre. Like, you, you're going to forget about this. You probably already have, is my guess. I mean, at least it's not trying to do the the crime comedy Tarantino ripoff. At least it's not that. Yeah, yeah it's refreshing that they don't do that. This is, they, don't try, they don't try too hard, you know, that they fall flat on their face. But at the same time, they don't try Right. It's hard. it's not it's not overly stylized or anything like that where it's just a disaster. It's this is very much uh, a serious movie. Not a lot of comedy or anything in it, but I don't know. I thought that the violence was pretty visceral, but yeah. there's not a whole lot of it. No. So just, eh. yeah. it's kind of a yeah. meh. It's kind of a meh for me. Um yeah, I would agree. Scoring it, uh I'd probably just uh, I'll throw out a five, five out of ten. Yeah, it's straight down the middle. Yeah, it's one of those. You know, I could see people enjoying it because it delivers on. Yeah, this was pretty received pretty well at, at South by Southwest, which I could totally understand. I mean, if I was if I saw this at South by Southwest, I'd probably get that festival bump just because you're in Texas and you're in that vibe. But. Eh. Nah. As a nah. home, as a home watch, it was pretty pretty middle of the road for me. Yeah, it's fine. It's you know, it's, it's funny though because I saw another movie this week that was pretty middle of the road, and I was I'll probably write a review for this. I haven't decided yet, but it it I looking at them side by side, the the one that the other one that I saw that was middle of the road, I was much more harsh on that one. Like, I was much more offended by just how middle of the road it was. So I don't don't know what that says about this movie, but sometimes when I see a movie where they just do nothing, I I guess it's just horror movies that I get more offended, where it's just like, you've done nothing. You literally just remade a movie that's been remade a million other times. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and I can see that with horror movies though, because that seems to happen a lot more often. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of uninspired horror movies out there. Yeah, so that's two step. Uh, it's on VOD right now and playing in select cities. I would say if you're if you're in the mood for a decent crime drama, you might want to check it out. With that southern feel to it. Yeah. That Texas. Get that Texas crime going. Yeah, and again, I'll say I like the the backdrop. I like the the seedy bars and you know the the rundown doing the cotton and stuff. Yeah, I liked I liked all that stuff about it. So your trailers, and your Coors lights, <laughs> Coors, your Pap's blue ribbon and your Bud <laughs> Budweiser, and your Funyuns, Funyuns, yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so that's two-step. Let's move on and talk about some wet, hot American summer. First day of camp. Now, I'm a huge fan of Wet Hot American Summer. So as soon as I found out that they were doing this prequel, I was instantly on board. I was super hyped for this one. Now, you <clears throat> you are also a pretty big fan of mm-hmm, Wet Hot American mm-hmm. Summer, right? So mm-hmm. this is an eight-episode prequel on Netflix. You, if you have Netflix, you can watch all the episodes now. Uh, the synopsis here says, Follow the counselors and campers on their first day at Camp Firewood in the summer of 1981. The show is created by Michael Showalter and David Wayne. I think that, if I remember correctly, all all the episodes were directed by David Wayne. Ooh, I don't, I don't I'm know. I'm pretty sure that he was that he directed all of them. Could be wrong about that. Oh, do I want to go through this cast list? Oh my god! Everyone, everyone's in it. So just say that. We'll like, just we'll just say if, if you saw the first movie, everybody from the first movie is back in this, and they added a whole shitload of other people. We'll right. just we'll put it that way. It would take me ten minutes to read off this cast list. I don't I don't even understand. It's utterly ridiculous how they were able to pull this off. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What did you think of Wet Hot American Summer First Day Camp? Uh, it was pretty fun. I enjoyed myself for the most part. Rolling through eight episodes in essentially one day. Just back to back to back to back. Um, I don't think it quite captured the original. I watched, I watched the original. But, I watched... And I, I, that's one thing that I wish I did. I wish I watched the original and then started this. What I did was I watched I watched this and then after that I watched the original so it was kind of you know chronological order mm-hmm. and I will agree that I did think overall now this is comparing what amounts to a four hour movie compared to just an hour and a half movie that was the original yeah so overall I would say that I thought the original was still funnier I thought that. I laughed more, and I still laugh more watching the original. And I've seen the original one uh, countless numbers of times. I mean, this is one that I used to just watch and rewatch over and over again. I loved it so much, and it still makes me laugh. Now, I don't know how much of that is is like nostalgia at this point, but I still think that the the original one is very funny. And overall, yes, I will agree that I think that it is more funny than the new uh, series the thing i enjoyed the most you know origin story wise was the can of vegetables <laughs> yeah <laughs> which was the main thing going in i was just that's all i wanted to know was how are they going to do this well see that's kind of the genius thing about this show and kind of what david wayne does in general like he does the same thing with children's hospital where once you start peeling away the layers and look at how it's set up and structured, you realize that this is kind of genius because I, when I rewatched the movie after seeing this, the series, I realized that what he does in the, the uh, first day of camp is he sets up jokes where the punchline doesn't happen till the movie. <laughs> so... It's just this kind of like I'll I'll use another example. the The vegetable can is a good one, but 
Another example is with the character of Gale, um, Molly Shannon's character, and how in in the movie, when you see the movie, all you know about her is that she's going through a divorce and she's upset because of this divorce. But in the in the show, you realize that she gets married and gets divorced like five <laughs> times. So it, it adds a whole new layer. So when you see it in the movie, it's it's funny because you're like, oh my God, well, now we know that she just married that guy, you know, several <laughs> weeks ago. Uh. And it's like he, he uses the, the show as an opportunity to, to create new jokes in the movie. And I think that that's just, it's just genius. It's a pretty, pretty smart idea because it does change the movie a little bit. And you know yeah, that, because that everyone's it, just going to go out and rewatch the movie now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just, like, the whole introducing, like, Belle's character as uh, uh, Michael Showalter's uh, girlfriend. See, and this is why I wanted to rewatch it, because there's some things that I don't remember from the movie, from the original. There's a lot of things that I don't remember, actually. I pretty much remembered Can of Vegetables, um, Christopher Maloney's character, (laughs) and Chase Lounge. Chase Lounge. (laughs) That's about it. One of my favorite scenes is still when just the the scene where Paul Rudd is is eating and finishes and <laughs> throws his plate on the floor and Janine Garofalo makes him pick it up and just that whole sequence that serves almost no purpose to the movie whatsoever but it's just so funny. Uh. And that's that's kind of the great thing about the the movie and the series is that it's kind of a spoof but not really. He throws in weird, random stuff that give it kind of a spoof feel, but at the same time, it's it's not it, it's not like you're watching a Hot Shots or an airplane yeah. or something. I I think that the way that he handles the, the other handles well, the other thing is, that, that makes it great in my eyes is yes, it's a spoof, and they're making fun of camp movies and everything. They're making fun of the time period, but at the same time. It is a good camp movie. Yeah. Like, not only is it a spoof of camp movies, but it's an actually, it's a good camp movie in of itself. Like, I put it up there with other yeah. camp movies from the time, you know, that they're making fun of. Now, the other the other big thing that they worked with in this, in the prequel was, um, uh, what's her name's character? Damn it. Um, why am I drawing a blank? Mm. Elizabeth Banks. Her character and how they gave her the whole backstory. <laughs> she's in the movie. She's supposed to be twenty four, playing a sixteen year old, but she's a reporter. Uh, I I love that they added that in there that she was undercover because that adds a whole new dimension to this is just so the movie as well. It's just so yeah. unbelievably ridiculous. <laughs> oh god. <sighs> Overall, I would say yes. It is. It, it it lived up to my expectations. It's so wacky and ridiculous in every in every way. But I think that it it captures the essence of the movie. I, I don't think that. I don't know if if it could have surpassed the movie for me. No, I don't think. Yeah, and which I think is kind of unfair because the movie not only is the movie good, but for us, for me and you. You know, it's one of those special movies. Yeah, it's it's in my eyes, it's a classic. Yes, yeah. 
because it was probably our one of our favorite comedies from growing up. Yeah. So, you know, there's the whole nostalgia factor. Plus, we watched that thing how many times. We quoted it how many times. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not fair. It's never going to be topped. No matter what they did, they weren't going to top it. But I think that what they did do with this, doing a prequel, first of all, making it the first day of camp, and then having it be an eight-episode miniseries while yeah. bringing everybody back, I think that it was just it was a really, really smart idea. Well, you got so many things going on, too. Number one, the idea of making it a prequel, even though it's how many years later? Four, <laughs> so <they're>... 14 years <laughs> later. <laughs> so they're all, you know, they're supposed to be playing teenagers, but, you know... They're not. They're not even close. Yeah, close. <laughs> they weren't even close when the original movie yeah. came out. That was a joke in the original movie. <laughs> and it's even better here because, you know, like Michael Showalter is just, you know, it kind of <laughs> looks like he let himself go. <laughs> <laughs> so you have that going on. Plus, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these actors have they've gotten pretty big since then to see oh, yeah. him coming back and doing this is just you know that's another that's another layer to it yeah when you have bradley cooper coming back and paul rudd and amy poehler and elizabeth banks in these you know relatively i mean they're not small roles but it's definitely a, a huge ensemble yeah and then i mean you have you have like a madman reunion yeah. which was ridiculous yeah <laughs> Yeah, John Hamm and uh, what's his name, John Slattery coming back. <laughs> John Slattery's uh, his outfit, his, his oh my god, his his sport coat. That that sport Lord coat, mercy, amazing. The it's shoulder pads, the shoulder Jeez. pads on that thing, and, and wow. it's like four sizes too big. Oh my goodness, just unbelievable. John Hamm's character, everything that happens there is just ridiculous. Falcon, Falcon. <laughs> And I and my what is perhaps my favorite thing of the entire eight episodes is when it's you know they have the reveal and then Janine Garofalo is trying to figure out like the logistics of their plan, but he has to be somewhere. And, and after after well, and Christopher Maloney's just trying. <laughs> he's trying to defuse it. And he's trying to say that he has to leave. Uh, plus, that was a good kitchen fight. That was fight actually two was pretty badass. That was actually a really good fight scene. They they choreographed that like I was surprised at that. Not only yeah, not only was it good choreography, but it was funny the entire time through. But it was a good fight scene at the same time. Yeah, yeah, which was just fantastic. My goodness, I liked uh, I liked Michael Sarah as the the young lawyer. <laughs> I thought I thought that uh, was and him old enough to take a big fat shit on yeah, your face. Yeah, actually, I I have that. I only wrote a few notes down on this show, and I wish I wrote more because there's a million quotables in this show, and one the one of the only ones that I wrote down is, "Are you are you even old enough to vote? I'm old enough to take a big fat shit on your face." <laughs> uh, the other thing I wrote down is phone number. I thought that that was the scene where 
She gets a slip of paper and it says phone in parentheses and the number afterwards. It's it's little things like that. And and a lot of the little throwaway lines are in this movie. Like at the beginning, one of my favorite lines in the movie is at the very beginning of the movie when Michael Showalter goes, I want you inside me. <laughs> and in this one at the beginning, I loved when uh, Janine Garofalo was, was cracking the jokes and Michael Showalter was, they were just talking about how funny she is. And they're like, it's, oh, a, it's, it's, it's a dry wit. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. The only thing, is, and which is par for the course with these guys, is for me it was hit and miss. Oh, yeah. I and think- there's, a, there's this thing that they do that just really irritates me is when they, and you know, they do it on purpose and it's supposed to be funny, but I never really find it to be funny. Is you know they'll say a joke, and then they'll they'll draw it out by explaining what the joke is, and then they just keep going with it, like explaining the joke that they just told. And mm-hmm. I just oh, that irritates me. I don't like that. It just yeah. it never works for me. And they with, do it quite often in this. Yeah, I think that I think that not all the jokes are are winners for sure. I like Weird Al. I didn't uh, that whole thing with him. I. Was it was fine, I guess, but didn't need it. Didn't need that. I mean, I I didn't laugh at every single joke, but they're coming when when the jokes come a mile a, a minute. You know, they're just throwing I, jokes at you left and right everywhere, all over the place. Not all of them are gonna land, but I did enjoy uh, Josh Charles. It was probably his finest work. Who's that? He was uh, Blake. He was the Camp Tiger Claw. Oh, the, the triple oh, yeah, pop yeah, collar. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as as soon as I saw that, the the three the three Polish shirts with the pop call, <laughs> I just started laughing. Mm. I'll, I'll tell you who was funny the uh, the one guy and I, I'm looking at the list here and I don't see him. Oh wait, maybe that is him. Yes, John Early. He played the character of Logan, the the uh, the theater guy who he got the part and then he lost the part to Paul Rudd. Mm. I thought he was really funny. I did enjoy him. I like what they did with Gene. They gave Gene a, a more robust background, and we learned a lot more about Gene. And I love how at the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of the sh- the show, he, <laughs> the way he was, the way he acted, and the way he was dressed, and he was just so ridiculous. When he's chasing Victor, yes, through the woods, and he has that that gait that he has. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's funny. I could literally go through this entire list of actors and say, oh, they were funny. They were funny. Like Michaela Watkins as the choreographer. She was hilarious. Everyone delivers. Oh, yeah. I mean, even there's there are like some people in this that are in. They have four lines like Jordan Peele. Like he's hardly in it at all, but he's he's hilarious. Rob Hubel's in it for just a little bit. Yep, and so is Paul, Paul Shears in it, too. <laughs> uh, Chris Pine? What about what did you think of Chris Pine's character, Eric? That was, that was maybe the weakest link, I think. I thought he was funny at the beginning, but... Eh. And, of course, Kristen Wiig's in it, too. Well, she, I think that it's a rule now that she has to be in everything. That's, she was, she know, was funny, though. Over, yeah. Or in her oyster fork. Oh, yeah, I need that for later. <laughs> One thing that I wanted 
more of in the show that they had a lot of in the movie was how negligent the counselors were when it came to actually taking care of these kids. Uh, because if you remember in the movie, several of these kids die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They they drown. But that's that's one interesting link that I didn't realize mm-hmm. until I saw the movie. But the, maybe that's maybe that's why because you know all these well, counselors actually, are extremely damaged. Well, that's that's what I have. I have written down here that it could be because it's we're dealing with the first day of camp versus the last day of camp. And by the last day, they're just worn down. You know, they've been through hell. Yeah, like they've I mean, seen that people. was a rough first day of camp. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. You know, they probably, the majority of them probably have PTSD. Probably. You know, they, several several of them literally saw people being murdered, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Eric, he really died. <laughs> he died, I mean, he died hard. I mean, that was pretty traumatic. And, you know, that was the U.S. government and Reagan. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when you, you have to fight off Reagan and missiles and the U.S. Army. Yeah. All at the end of a really tough day. I mean. A couple connections that I didn't pick up on initially until I rewatched the movies. Camp Tiger Claw was in the movie, which I didn't know. They were, there was the scene. Do you remember the scene where they were, uh, they made it to the the baseball, the, uh, the, the final game in their softball league and... Michael Ian Black was giving him this kind of rousing speech about how at the last second they need to come up with some kind of crazy trick play and win and win the game. And they were like, ah, we don't want to do that. And the bus comes up and they just forfeit and that's it. Uh, that was Camp Tiger Claw. And the kind of buggy eyed redheaded kid that's in the show, the bully kid. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in the the movie, and he's the one that drowns when Paul Rudd is uh, making out with Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So yeah, so that adds a whole layer to it too. You know that little shithead dies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that it's him because they're in the same they're in the same bunk as Michael Showalter. So I'm yeah. assuming it's that it's supposed to be the same character. I wish they brought back the uh, the throwing the kids out in the woods thing. <laughs> I always thought that that was really funny with the movie. And there weren't any... I mean, there were a couple montages, but there weren't any standout montages. Like the one in the movie where they went into town and got addicted to heroin and all of that stuff. Yeah, which is them probably coping. Yeah. It makes a little more sense now. It makes... It makes yeah. A lot, of, a lot of stuff in the movie. Like you said, the, the uh, H. John Benjamin... Vegetable can makes more sense too because they never even remotely explained that in the movie. No, and I thought they did a great job with that. It felt very eighties with the toxic waste. <laughs> exactly. And, and also, also, you know, like why is he why is he going out into the woods to check the toxic waste? Why you know why does he have a can of vegetables with him? Because he's eating it. Yeah, he, but you know, everywhere he goes, he's eating those vegetables. <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of weird stuff in this. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love the zoot the zoot suit that Bradley Cooper and Michael Ian Black. What did you think of the the musical? The musical was great, and it, that could have been its own thing. Yeah, that could have just been its own episode in its entirety. Because I was kind of intrigued by that storyline. Same here. Because it's so ridiculously over the top. 
Same here. Straight to the electric chair. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think it's it's a pretty amazing thing that they did. Now uh, I, I'm assuming that they did it sort of like what they did with um, Arrested Development, where they kind of had people come in separately and shoot around their schedules and stuff like that, because it's the whole DJ ski mask thing with Bradley Cooper. I'm pretty sure that was to cover up the fact that he wasn't there when they shot that. Could be. Could be. And they popped in that one, that one scene of him taking off the ski mask just to try to cover up the fact that he definitely was not there for that party scene. But I thought that they did a really good job of, <clears throat> of, uh, mixing it up they it's structured exactly like the movie where it basically just jumps from short scene to short scene with all the various different plot points that are happening and because it's a show they really expanded it out like everybody has their own little side stories happening yeah even like david hyde pierce they brought him back and which makes even more that that helps the movie too as to like why he is there and the fact that he just moved into that house and stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a pretty good job of creating origin stories, giving backstory to everyone in the movie. It just sucks because the fact that this exists is amazing. And now I just want more. I know. And there's, I don't think that there's any way that they could do, do it again. I want more, but at the same time, I don't. Right, right. Because I don't, I don't want, you know what I mean? I, can't, I don't see how you can really add anything else to this without kind of selling that. I, yeah. think you, I, think, I think we're good right where we are. I agree, yeah. Now, the only thing that disappoints me is because I had, I had to obviously watch that all eight episodes for this, for the podcast. So I'm kind of bummed out that I just, you know, I had to run through them. Same here. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I got to just, you know, an episode today, and then you know, a couple of days later, watch a second episode. Space and it just, out. Yeah, just savor it. But I had to, you know, had to cram it all in because we're professionals. <laughs> yeah. Right? I will say uh, also, other than than Michael Showalter and. Elizabeth Banks looked significantly older. Most of the people looked pretty much the same as in the movie. For the, yeah, for the most part. Which was pretty crazy. Like Christopher Maloney looks the exact same. Paul Rudd looks pretty much the same. Uh, Marguerite Moreau, she looks almost the exact same. So, you know, I, I like the fact that they were still playing 16-year-olds. <laughs> they're, like, they're in their 40s at this point. Oh, most of them but yeah it's uh it's great i loved it i had a great time with it could have used a little bit more of uh child neglect but other than that you're a big fan of child neglect uh let me just nip that in the bud i'm not for child <laughs> neglect uh-huh uh-huh sure i i like the stuff with the kids that's that stuff was not very well it's good uh, to know like, that it's it started out it started out strong yeah you know they were really taking care of these kids and they were in their corner you know and helping them out and it just you know it got to be too much by the end of camp yep that's what you know it's understandable i like, I like what they did with uh the character of 
Abby, who was kind of the really like the super super slutty one in the movie. Uh, she's played by Marissa Ryan, and how in the in this she hates she hates boys so much, and she goes in the bathroom, and comes out, and she's like forty years older. Uh, uh, this is fun. It's ridiculous. It's I fun. if you like the movie absolutely see this it, it will not you know one of the big things about things like this and we'll get to it in a minute when i talk about vacation is that you risk partially ruining your experience with the older stuff you know like kind of you know what they do with sequels and reboots and stuff but this one doesn't ruin that experience it's definitely a solid prequel so i definitely recommend it Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to give it a score or anything because it's a TV show. And honestly, I thought that some episodes were stronger than others. Yeah, definitely. And it's also one of those things where there are so many jokes, so many one-liners, so many things going on <clears throat> that I'm sure that I already forgot Yeah, a, but a number know, of them that really made me laugh. As an overall experience. Overall experience, I thought it was great. If I had yeah. to score, if I had to score, I'd give it like an eight out of ten, probably. I would recommend it definitely. You know, especially if you're if you're not a fan of the original movie, you don't give a shit anyways. You were I mean, never I, gonna check this out. It's not gonna win you over if you weren't a fan of the movie. Yeah, because it it is the same. It's the same it's, style yeah. of comedy. It's very much, which is I I think for me as someone who likes the movie, that's a good thing. I like that they stuck with. The same style of comedy. Yeah, where that's it's what like, we all wanted anyways. Yeah, exactly. Where they just randomly throw in some really weird off-the-wall stuff and throw in some dark stuff here and there. But, yeah, it's great. Check it out. I mean, if only to see this ridiculous cast. I mean, <laughs> holy shit. And, and they brought in so many more people, too. It's, it's, it's good enough that they brought in everybody from the movie, because most of these people have gone on to do like some pretty pretty big things, but yeah, to add the everyone fact that else they brought they in so many additional people is pretty crazy. All right, any final thoughts on what Hot American Summer? Nope. Mm-mm. All right, let's go ahead and move on to some of what we're watching. Uh, I think we'll start with you, Kevin. Well, this should be short lived. Because I only watched one other thing. I only saw a couple things, too, so... And wait for it. I saw What If. Alright. Do you know what What If is? No. Okay. It's rom-com with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know what that is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wanted to see that. I was not interested in this. Popped up. And I gotta say, I was, I was kind of surprised. I enjoyed myself watching What If. Uh, there's good banter. I mean, most of the film is banter, but there is an odd thing, and everyone has great chemistry. Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Zoe Kazan, or Wallace, which, here's the ridiculousness. Wallace and Chantry, which, those are ridiculous names, but it's the uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Wallace character, wants to be with Chantry. She has a boyfriend, so he goes, he falls back to the friend zone, but of course he wants more than that. And then it's the whole will they or won't they and how does he navigate this and of course his best friend is adam driver who's trying to give him give him some pointers which all of his uh you know all of his advice is terrible and 
the banter's really good. Everyone has great chemistry together. It's really light, breezy. It's fun. But one of the odd things with the banter is it's really it's really heavy with discussions about fecal matter, <laughs> which is really odd. <laughs> like, they talk about shit a lot. I mean... I kind of want to see it more now. Yeah, more so than I think people actually do speak about shit. Because, you know, shit comes up in discussion from time to time. But yeah, it does. They, they seem to go out of the way to, to talk exclusively about shit in, like, every... Like, they try and bring up shit in every conversation, which is really... It's really odd to see that. And, you know, that's one of their first first discussions that they have when they really kind of, I guess, you know, find out that they have a lot in common is when they're joking around about impacted feces. Yeah. Which is... Which, you know, that's odd. It's a risky move. It is a risky move. <laughs> it's a risky move. Uh, for the most part, it works, but it does... You know, I did find myself throughout the movie, you know, anytime that shit would come up, you're just kind of like, what? why? Like, why is there so much dialogue revolving around shit? This is really odd. It's probably to establish the fact that they have, you know... Very, They're quirky. They're very quirky. Com- compatible personalities yeah. because... It's like, who who else? <laughs> who else? You know, they're just, they're so quirky. They have quirky conversations. It's a bit, I will say that it's a bit too cute at times. Uh, Zoe Kazan's character plays, uh, she's an animator. So occasionally her, her drawings will come to life. Oh, okay. And float throughout the city. But f- for no reason. Mm. Like it really, it adds nothing to the story whatsoever. I guess it's just them trying to be cute for some reason. I guess you have to have uh, like a certain quota of cuteness. These days, in, yeah. Yeah, these days in your rom-coms. Well, it's interesting. This is the same guy that did Goon, which I was a huge fan of. And uh, Goon 2 coming out. I, You know, again, I'll say I was surprised. I, I mean, I didn't love it, but I enjoyed myself. Did you see Goon? I wasn't, no, I have not seen Goon. That that was a surprise for me. I might have to check out Goon because of this. Yeah, that one that one was definitely a surprise. I didn't expect that being as funny and good as it was. And I mean, it, you know, it uh, it ends up going to all the the places you expect it to go, and it's very predictable. But like I said, it's light and fun. It's breezy. It's an easy watch. Some good dialogue in there. Great chemistry. So uh, it's like a light recommend. Cool. Like a light. Is that on Netflix? It, maybe. I got a DVD. Okay. Yeah, I got it on the old the hard disc. All right. I saw Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Oh shit. Uh, this I uh, had a great time with this one. I had a so blast. So the the entire nation goes rogue. No, what it is is it's it's a it's a syndicate. So they discover that there's this syndicate that's comprised of former agents. From all around the world, oh, so that's why it's a rogue nation because it's you got Russian, Russian intelligence, British intelligence, uh, like former CIA operatives, stuff like that, and oh, they kind goodness. of they form this syndicate that is hell bent on basically uh, throwing the world into chaos, sort of. But man, holy crap! The first of all, almost all the the stunt work in this is practical and 
Tom Cruise does all his own stunts. Now, say what you will about Tom Cruise, but I like most of his movies. I think that he's uh, a decent actor, and I always have a lot of fun whenever I see one of his movies. And the fact that he did all of his, all of his own stunts in this movie is fucking crazy. It's crazy. The the just the plane, the plane thing alone. That's what everybody's talking about, of course. That happens in the first scene. The first scene of the movie is the plane scene. So that should set the stage for what what you're in for in Rogue Nation. There's a, a chase scene involving uh, motorcycles. It's like a motorcycle chase scene. There's some cars in, involved, too. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Holy crap. Probably one of the best chase scenes. And I'm not, I'm not a, a huge chase scene kind of guy, Kevin. But this one. This one was excellent. Holy crap. Oh, so much fun. Uh, a lot of comedy in this one, too, just like in the previous Mission Impossible ones. Maybe, I remember Ghost Protocol being really funny. Maybe it's the same amount as Ghost Protocol, maybe a little bit less, but it's still quite funny that the banter that, that between everybody with Tom Cruise and Jeremy Renner and Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames, and uh, with this one they added Alec Baldwin, uh, just... It's it's great. Uh, I had such a good time with this movie, and I saw it in uh, the Dolby Atmos theater. So like the the sound was incredible, and uh, Rebecca Ferguson is great in this too. She plays a British. Uh, she's like undercover with the syndicate, but she's she's like a. It's crazy. There's all these like double crosses and triple crosses in it, which is another thing that I liked about this was that it wasn't all big, giant, bombastic set pieces. It was there was they throw in a lot of espionage and and sort of uh, heist type scenes in there, too. So it's it's a, a nice blend of everything you would want out of a out of a Mission Impossible movie. And uh, I thought it was probably the best of the entire series. I, I, you're getting me excited. I get highly me excited for some for some Mission Impossible. You you'll you will have fun with it. It it's just it's a great movie. So highly recommend checking out Rogue Nation. One that I do not recommend is Vacation. Bet you didn't see that coming. Uh, yeah, people don't seem to be liking this. I like. I think that I honestly didn't mind it as much as some people like we uh blake reviewed it for us on the site he gave it a two out of ten i would probably give it uh three and a half or four there we go the one thing and i and i've said this before on the show that the one thing that i was worried about is that it seemed a lot more mean-spirited than the original vacation and it was and that was something that really brought it down Uh, for most of the movie it just felt like this family hated each other like they just they were not likable people and i there's there's something about it when when you have characters (laughs) like this that just seem to be uh they just that they don't like each other that it kind of uh makes the movie lose a lot of its heart and well and that's what's the fun thing about the original you know where you you know, we kind of pointed out before where you have the dark stuff and you have some of the, you know, the mean spirited things, but it's, you have that juxtaposition where they're just, you know, they're just like a wholesome family. So that adds something to that type of comedy that you throw in there. But if they're just shithead 
detestable people. Yeah, exactly. It just it doesn't work the same way. And that's unfortunately how this how this was. I mean, one of the one of the things about the original vacation is that through all these terrible situations that they found themselves in, they they supported each other. You know, they were going through it together. Whereas in this movie, it just seems like, oh, this bad thing's happening to Rusty and this bad thing's happening to the older brother because the younger brother's bullying him, like mercilessly bullying the older brother. And then, like, Christina Applegate's character, like, was, she didn't care at all and she was just not happy in her marriage. And, you know, it's just the, it just wasn't nice. It didn't feel nice. It felt like, and, it relied way too heavily on gross out comedy. I mean, all the jokes, almost all the jokes were gross out jokes. Uh, there's like vomiting jokes. There's pube jokes. Uh, just pube jokes. There's way too much reliance on that, which is, which sucks because there was potential here. There, there were some things that I thought really were funny. The tartan prancer, the car that they read, it was funny. It was really funny to see the Tartan Prancer in action. <laughs> because it's called a Tartan Prancer. <laughs> and the the key fob had all these crazy buttons on it. And one of them was a swastika. And one of them was a rocket. And one of them was a muffin. <laughs> and I thought that all of that stuff with the car was really funny. Like one of the buttons just made all the windows ex- blow out <laughs> of the car. And one, and one of the... <laughs> And one of the buttons just turned the seat around to the back. And you see that in the trailer. Which is the other thing. All the funny, the funniest bits of this movie are in the trailer. Well, you should know. It's a the Hollywood movie. That's the only way they can yes, which is, market their films. That's really unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I just, it's, it's a shame. Because, like I said, I did see the potential here. But they just didn't really do anything with it. Mm-hmm. The opening titles were really funny. They used uh, awkward family photos in the opening titles. That was funny. But, uh, yeah, it's unfortunately a failure. And I saw it yesterday afternoon at a pretty pretty centrally located theater here in Manhattan. And there was two other people, two other couples Ooh. in the theater. <laughs> so oh. I, don't, I don't think it's doing too good. Goodness. So yeah, I uh, can't, unfortunately can't recommend Vacation. If you're a fan of the original, stay away from this one because it may may sully that for you. We're all about the word sully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I saw... It's a, it's a favorite here on the show. <laughs> I saw Lego Brickumentary. Not okay. a lot to say about it. It's a documentary about Lego. Uh, it's more about, it's less about the history of Lego and more about kind of where Lego has gone and the different uh uses for lego and the different types of people that are into lego from professional artists to uh using lego as a a form of therapy for autism uh to people that do competitions and stuff it's somewhat interesting but it's not great i was actually more interested in learning about the history behind lego and they mm-hmm. do they do get into it, but it's really abbreviated. Like they they kind of fly through it really quickly at the beginning of the movie. It's okay. A lot of it is uh, it's narrated by Jason Bateman, and it's all animated. So he he's a Lego character in it, which I guess adds a little charm 
Yeah, I to can the see movie. That. I could see that. They talk about the Lego movie, of course, and <laughs> they interview like uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller and talk about that. And they... I'm getting a sense that this is like a documentary that's just like kind of constantly pointing out the fact of them just saying like, "Look how fucking great we are." Sort of, yeah. And they do point out, because for a while there, Lego wasn't doing so good. Before they started picking up the licenses for, like, Star Wars and all of that stuff, they were not doing very good at all. And they yeah. admit they admit that. Like, they admit that they fucked up in the early 2000s with where they were going with the company. So they do kind of point out the, the flaws with Lego. But, yeah, m- most mostly it just talks about the people that the company has uh, had a positive impact on it really focuses on that so it's fine it's not great it's just kind of a one of those fluff documentaries um so yeah that's available now on vod so you can check that out if you're interested if you're a fan of lego i like lego but i i don't need to see a documentary about lego yeah i'm a fan of legos and i'm just gonna keep it at that because they're fucking plastic blocks there's a uh there's a coffee table book that they came out with a, a couple years ago, and I think that that probably accomplishes more in talking about the trajectory of Lego and where it's gone and all that stuff. So it's a really cool looking coffee table book. Yeah, I'm just kind of getting tired of the the trend of like every everything needs to have a documentary. Oh yeah, anything that's remotely know, popular has to have yeah, a doc. It's like we we don't need that. Can we stop that? Yeah. I appreciate that you watch all of them. And I don't. <laughs> I had the time, so I figured I'd <laughs> just check it out. Uh, the only other one that I'll mention is a movie called Blood Creek from 2009. The only reason I want to mention this is because of how ridiculous it is. It's directed by Joel Schumacher, and it stars Michael Fassbender. And it's basically a slasher movie where Michael Fassbender is the slasher. Mm-hmm. He's an immortal Nazi. What? Who just back up real quick? Just back mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. Start from the top. Michael Fassbender. Okay. Is an immortal Nazi. Okay. And he has the ability to create additional zombies. Hold up. So he'll kill somebody uh-huh. or, or something, and then he <laughs> says these magic words and turns them into zombies. Uh, okay. And. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Early on in the movie, he does it to a horse, and he creates a zombie horse. No. And the zombie horse attacks No. Uh, people. The zombie horse kills people. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. And this is directed by who again? Joel Schumacher. <laughs> like, Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher? Yes, yes. Batman Forever. Is this an elaborate joke? It seems like it, but no, this is a real movie, believe it or not. And it also stars Henry Cavill. Superman. Yeah, Superman. Oh my god, are you serious? And it is super gory, too. Over-the-top gore in this. Ridiculous levels of gore. It starts off really interesting, because they just, they just throw you in. You don't know what the hell's going on. And Henry Cavill's brother shows up. I can't remember his name, but it's the one guy from that Prison Break show. And he's currently in the the Flash TV series. He shows up and he's like, you got to come with me. Because his brother's been missing for two years. 
And he's like, you got to come with me. Get get your guns, get two days worth of provisions, and come with me. And Henry Cavill's like, all right, let's go. And they go to this farmhouse, and they start killing everybody at this farmhouse. And Henry Cavill still has no idea what's going on. And then he's just he's just wholeheartedly trusting his brother, just walking in and killing he, everyone. Well, he sort of is. He he holds off on the killing part. Okay. Until somebody comes after him and he ends up shooting him. But yeah, then then it gets into this whole thing where it's like Michael Fassbender is is a Nazi from back in the 30s, and he discovered this uh, stone that allows you to be immortal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you have to like keep sacrificing it, it, like it needs blood or something uh, so, yeah so you have to sense. keep so what they would do is they would kidnap people they would find people and and kidnap and hold them for years and years and and periodically drain them mm-hmm. uh and that would yeah, sustain I mean, their you, lives you have to do that most uh immortality stones that's kind of the protocol yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's it's a trade off. It's a trade off. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It. I, I after I was watching it, I was like, oh man, I want to give this like four stars on Letterboxd because this this is so ridiculous. But it wears out. It's it's welcome. The novelty wears off pretty pretty early on. So it's but it's it's Michael Fassbender and he's this crazy, insane looking Nazi monster. This sounds amazing. And, and, and you think like, oh, maybe that came out a long time ago. No, it's 2009. That was, it didn't even come out that long ago. How did this sneak by? I don't know. It's crazy, though. It is, it is crazy. If you do want to see some, some ridiculous horror, ch- check this one out. And it's directed by Joel Schumacher, too, which makes it even more ridiculous. Yeah, none of this makes sense. None of it. Yeah. But I'm interested. I'm interested because it doesn't make sense. Yep, yep. And that's called Blood Creek. Let's talk about some predictions. Right. Uh, last week, we said vacation. You said 62. I said 65. Actual 23 on vacation. Bit, bit off. Yeah, we were a little bit off on that one. I was hoping that it would be good, but I was, I was uh, definitely afraid that it was going to be exactly what it was mission impossible rogue nation you said 84 i said 87 actual 93 wow yeah again check it out Hmm. it's it's one to see in the theater for sure next week we have fantastic four Mm. Mm -mm -mm. this is this is one where i consistently forget that it even exists yeah same here i I have no idea how this one's going to turn out. It, mm. it might surprise everybody, but to me, it looks like... I, I don't think it's going to. To me, it looks like a, a superhero movie from the 90s, the late 90s. You That's mean what, not good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a nice way of putting it. It just looks so generic to me. They're, they're, yeah. Like, the, the trailers and stuff, nothing appeals to me with that. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start it off, and I'll say... Uh, hmm. Let's say forty-two on that. Okay, I was afraid you were gonna take it. I'm gonna say forty-four. Okay. We also have Sean the Sheep. Mm-hmm. That's a claymation. Okay. <clears throat> That's the 
people behind Wallace and Gromit, right? I have probably. I think it is. I have no idea. I'm just going to say yes. What are you thinking on Sean the Sheep? Sean the Sheep? I'm going to say 90. 90, okay. Uh, I will say 87 yeah. on that uh, one. It uh, seems it mm-hmm. seems like one that would yeah. be. Yeah. And finally, we have Ricky and the Flash. Okay. What is this? It's the one, oh. the, the Diablo Cody one with with uh, Mel Street. Oh my goodness! This looks Atrocious. amazing, amazingly horrible. <laughs> Uh, so I will say, but I don't know. It might get the street bump. I'm gonna say mm. no. It's not gonna get the street bump, and I'll say 36. Oh, I'm gonna say 42. In limited release next week, we have the gift. Uh, I think that that's with Jason Bateman, like a horror movie. Bateman, a horror movie. I, I think so. We have dark places. We have The Diary of a Teenage Girl, Cop Car, and The Runner. I'm interested in Cop Car, the one with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon and a Cop Car? It's about two kids. that He plays like a, a crooked cop, and two kids steal his cop car. Oh, so, man. And then he goes after him, tries to kill him, I guess. <laughs> Next week on Video On Demand, we have Shooting the Warwicks. Five Star, Spare Change, and those are on Tuesday. On Friday, we have The Runner, Dark Places, and I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On Blu-ray, next week, we have uh, Inner Space is getting a Blu-ray release. Nice. I think I'm going to have to pick that up because I love Inner Space. Dennis Quaid. Oh, yeah. Classic Quaid. Classic Quaid. In short. <laughs> yep. I love Inner Space, man. Holy crap. Uh, we have Insurgent, uh, let's see, The Salvation, Wormwood. I recommend that one. That's a pretty fun Australian Mad Max style horror movie. True Story, Child 44, Barely Lethal, Toolbox Murders 2. Uh oh. Madam Toolbox Murders. Yeah. Madam Bovary. Uh, let's see what else we got here. The Nightmare. A lot of stuff next week. Do you believe? In what? Is it a Christian movie? Yeah, it's a Christian movie. I think, is that the one that has, like, actual, some pretty big name people in it? Well, I think it is. Oh, it's from the creators of God's Not Dead. Yeah, but I think it, who, who yeah, Mir Savino. Sean Astin. Delroy Lynn. <laughs> yes. Sybil Shepherd. Yeah, that actually has people in it. I'm wondering how much they got paid to do that. They, they got to get... The payday's got to be good. Or they're just in dire straits. Or a combo of both. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. Free Willy's getting a Blu-ray release. As is Blast from the Past. Starring Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Blast from the Past. Uh, what's he doing? now i don't know Dude, that, like that's a documentary that needs to be made Where's Fraser? i want to see a documentary about the clip that they always show with him at the oscars doing the clap and the point thing <laughs> i just want to see a documentary about that what do we got on criterion we have one criterion that's 1950s 
Night and the City from Jules Dassin. It's got an awesome cover. There. Yeah. Mm. Jules Dassin, good times. I might have to check this one out. Actually. You, This is right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> this is so far up your alley. I know. It's probably uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so deep in your alley. It's ridiculous. You have to get it surgically removed. <laughs> uh, correct. All right. Well, I think that that's going to do it for this week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Uh, follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And please take a look at our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash FilmPulse is the address. And consider subscribing for as little as a dollar per month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watch's movie.